Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We took several databases of digitized text going back over the last 200 years. And these represent something like 6 to 7% of all published books over this time period. And that's magical in a way, right? Because it sort of taps into the zeitgeist of people's changing attitudes and beliefs. Of course, the problem is that nobody can read these millions of books. So we have an algorithm that basically counts the frequency of positive and negative words. So for a given book, you have the frequency of positive words and negative words, and you can compute for that book kind of valence index. And valence means the amount of positivity or negativity. And so if you've got a million books in a given year, you can compute sort of the average valence of that year. And so our national valence index does this across the last 200 years. This particular measure has already been reliably verified. If you know the kinds of words that a person is producing in a document, you also know the emotional stance of the individual who's writing that document. What is it that you can tell us then about the past 200 years? Some of the most beautiful findings in this data, you can just see right in these historical charts of well-being. So our measures can detect wars. Of course, we knew these wars (laughs) happened, so it's not as if it's predicting them. But it's nice to see that you can see World War I in our data, you can see World War II in our data, the American Civil War, the reunification in Italy, the fall of Saigon. So, I mean, these are fascinating, right? Because this tells you, you know, this measure is really measuring something. But the most striking thing to me is that people recover from these short-term events incredibly quickly. So World War I arrives, and you can see it in the data, and then it's gone. And then almost immediately, everyone's enjoying the 1920s. Right? It's amazing. It's as if they just they just forgot, you know. Um, in a right, way. so they're, they're basically like dips in this well-being value. Precisely. Um, you see long-term cultural changes. So, for example, the winter of discontent isn't a dramatic spike in dissatisfaction. It's a slow progression from the 1950s. It sort of reaches its lowest point around 1978, and then it takes a while for it to go back up. I think one of the caveats, there's a tendency to go, oh, look, you know, the worst time in UK's history was in the winter of discontent. And that was so much worse than, say, the 1820s. And these long-term comparisons, I think, are really risky because they confound a number of things like changes in literary style and changes of number of writers and things like that. Mm-hmm. We are able to control for that because we can look across nations. We can also include controls like democratization and, and literacy rates and these kinds of things. And so how did you verify that this index right. is actually descriptive of what was going on? In this data, we were able to validate this measure because we have Eurobarometer survey measures from three of the nations going back to the 1970s. And these are survey data where you ask how happy are you with the quality of your life up to this point. And so our measure is actually highly correlated with that Eurobarometer survey data, which you could consider the ground truth. And how about GDP? Does it correlate with that as well? So the statistical measures we do 
these are asking how much of the variance do things like GDP and life expectancy explain. GDP is positively correlated with well-being. That effect's not very big. Other researchers have suspected this for a long time. If you think about it, GDP has basically been rising in the UK more or less over the last 200 years. But we don't see just a, a gradual increase in subjective well-being. So you need about something like a 5% increase in GDP to equate to about a one-year increase in life expectancy. If you wanted to make people happier, you would make people live longer. What else is it that we can use this well-being historical index for? The research we've done is really the first step, right? We've just kind of shown we can look back at the psychological history of nations and economists now have access to this data, as do other psychologists or researchers, and they can go back and they can see, you know, what influences subjective well-being beyond GDP and life expectancy. We're getting to the point where we can look back in time and we can kind of see these historical consequences of different decisions that we've made, and hopefully that gives us a kind of handle on the kinds of decisions we can make now to improve our well-being in the future.